Lindsay? Lindsay? Uh, you there? You there? Oh, man. She's gone. Well, don't worry, everybody. Lindsay is okay. This week, she and our associate producer, Sarah, are at a radio conference in Chicago, which means that I get to do a special Tumble episode all on my own. This week's episode is going to be all Marshall all the time. But first, I've got a few things I want to mention to you. Thanks to everyone who voted in our latest Patreon poll to decide where we should take our next Tumble field trip. As a result of your voting, we'll be visiting the wonderful, beautiful medieval city of Girona, which is just a few kilometers up the high-speed rail line from here in Barcelona. While we're there, we'll get a local guide and try to learn as much as we can about the city, and we'll share photos and audio diaries about our journey with all of our patrons on Patreon. Speaking of, a big thank you this week to our newest patrons, Oliver and Amelia Goff, way out in Seattle, Washington. Thank you so much to you and all of our wonderful patrons for your support. We really couldn't make this show happen without you. And now, on to the show! Hello, I'm Marshall, and this is Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. This week, we'll be doing a very special mailbag episode. While Lindsay is away, I'm cleaning out our inbox by answering questions from listeners all by myself. Get ready for interesting answers to all sorts of genius questions. Our first question, our listener, Heno, wanted to know about some seedlings he's growing in his house for a school project. Now, I saw in the day the plant is going to the sun, but now this plant is facing to the light. So now I'm wondering if the plant will start growing if he sees... Electrical light. Yeah, he's seeing at the light. He's looking at the light. Electrical light. That's my question for you guys, and yeah. So what Hannah wants to know is if the plants he's growing in his house are going to grow towards the window, where the sunlight is, or towards a light bulb nearby. To get an answer to that question, I called a scientist friend, Dr. Molly Ogerzali, author and illustrator of Plants in Our World. She told me that electrical lights have a different spectrum than sunlight, which is a way of saying that electrical lights send out a different type of light than the sun does. Even so, Dr. Molly said that it really could grow either way towards the light bulb or the sunlight, and you should do an experiment to find out. Maybe put some of your saplings closer to the window and some closer to the light, and just watch what happens. So, Hannah, while you're running your experiment, maybe look and see which plants are healthier, the ones nearest the electric light? or the ones nearest the window, in which way do the plants seem to be growing? Honestly, we don't know until you find out for us, so let us know. Hi, so I'm a cat. I eat my brother's ice cream very, very bitly. So, and it made me wonder if I ever get ice cream headaches like people do, or headaches at all, okay? Um, that made me wonder, hmm. 
<laughs> so in case you missed that, that was our listener, Albert, and he saw a macaque, that's a type of monkey, steal his little brother's ice cream and then gobble it down quickly. A little greedy monkey. So, <laughs> so could that monkey get a brain freeze or not? I asked a lot of people about this one, and pretty much all of them just giggled and then said they didn't know. So before I get to answering this question, uh, I got some perfect music for this right here from our uh, Fossil Primates show, so I'm just gonna, gonna get that queued up right here. There we go. So to try to answer this question, we'd first want to look to see if there's any evidence of monkeys, or really any animals, having something that looks like an ice cream headache. And fortunately, there's lots of videos on YouTube that show animals reacting uh, uncomfortably to eating cold treats, <laughs> and they're all hilarious. I gotta say, I am particularly fond of the sound that a lot of cats in these videos are making. <laughs> So, though most of the best videos are all cats, uh, there's at least one monkey on YouTube getting a brain freeze, and I'll link to some videos on our blog. So, great, we see animals, like, acting like they're having ice cream headaches, but just because they're acting like they're having a headache doesn't mean that they're having one. Um, I read some vets think that cats' strong response to cold treats could just be gum disease, and that it's actually their teeth that are hurting them. The problem is that you just can't ask a cat or a monkey whether its head hurts or its teeth or just something else altogether. So the next question is whether monkeys have the kind of anatomy or parts of the body necessary to get a headache. And it turns out, yeah, they do. Ice cream headaches are caused by constricting blood vessels in the roof of your mouth, which your brain perceives for some reason as pain coming from your forehead. So since monkey heads are pretty similar to human heads, it's pretty likely that they would get a headache if they ate ice cream too fast, just like we do. Probably. But, you know, we don't really know for sure because nobody's taken much time to study animal headaches at all, let alone animal ice cream headaches. That could be your job. Maybe when you grow up, you could become like a world-renowned monkey ice cream headache expert. You never know. In case you were wondering, by the way, the scientific name for an ice cream headache is spenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. So next time your head starts to hurt after eating a frozen treat too fast, just yell out, Ah! It's spenopalatine ganglioneuralgia again! Our next question to come from one of our listeners is about Play-Doh. Why is Play-Doh so salty? Why is Play-Doh so salty? So first of all, let me say that I think Play-Doh is um, pretty gross. I understand that I'm pretty much alone in thinking this, and lots of people think it's delightful, but every time I catch a whiff of it, it just makes me gag. So in the spirit of that, uh, here's a little bit of music that I made for our gross science episode that I think would be perfect for this question. The short answer to this question is that Play-Doh is salty because it has salt in it. I looked up Play-Doh's official patent, and you'll see that the general formula for the substance is right there, and salt makes up somewhere between 5 and 15% of the overall mixture. Like, normal bread dough, like the dough that you eat and don't play with, well, maybe you play with it, I don't know. Um, normal bread dough would be about 1-2% to salt, so Play-Doh has a lot more salt in it than the dough you might eat. So there you go. 
But, you know, you're probably actually wondering why there's salt in Play-Doh. I did a lot of research to try to answer this, and I basically found two answers. The first is that Play-Doh is made out of wheat flour and water, so it's basically food, and putting salt in it helps keep bacteria from growing in it, which I imagine would make it smell even grosser. Of course, salt isn't the only preservative in Play-Doh, so that's probably not the whole reason. The second reason for all the salt is that it helps suck up water and strengthens the dough. If the dough is too watery, then the starch in the dough will start to break down, and then you'll just have a play puddle instead of play dough. A third reason that somebody suggested is that maybe they put all the salt in it so that when people eat it, it tastes gross and they don't eat too much, because it's got a lot of other stuff in it that you probably shouldn't be eating. If you're interested in learning more about this, I'm going to include a list of all the chemical ingredients listed on Hasbro's patent. Uh, with a little bit about what each one is and what we think it might be doing in that Play-Doh, besides making it smell super gross. Our next listener question comes from someone who wants to know a little bit about dragons. Hello, my name is Sophie. I live in Sydney, Australia, and I'm 10 years old. My question for you is, do dragons exist? Well, Sophie, right now there are no large, winged, fire-breathing reptiles. And I hate to say it, but there's really no evidence that large, fire-breathing, winged reptiles exist or have ever existed on Earth. But... If you replace large with quite small and fire breathing with just normal air breathing, there most certainly are dragons here on Earth. There's a whole family of lizards that have like these massive ribs that they can extend out to glide from tree to tree in Southeast Asia. The genus, which is the scientific name for a group of related species, is even called Draco, which is Latin for dragon. So that's pretty cool. According to Wikipedia, there are 42 recognized species in the Draco genus, all of which have these large wing flaps and can glide from tree to tree. If you do a Google search for these little guys, you'll see that they're all really, really cool looking. My personal favorite is Draco Spolonotus, which has bright yellow wings and this crazy yellow neck flap. So while they may not be literal dragons, I think they are much much cooler. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who helped out with this episode. That's Dr. Molly Ogerzali with the plant question, Brandy Strickland and Dr. Anna Morales with the monkey question, Jeff Schmulin with the Play-Doh question, and Dr. Heli Gillespie, David Steen, Andrew Durso, and the Society for the Study of Amphibians and Reptiles, helping with the dragon question. And I wanted to give an extra big special thank you to our kid questioners, Hanno, Albert, Archer, and Sophie. Your questions really made the show possible, so thank you so much. If you're a Tumble listener and you have a question about science that you'd like answered, please send it to us. Please send it to us. I love getting them. Either on the forum on our website or email at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. We really, 
really love hearing from our listeners. I cannot emphasize that enough. We love hearing from you, even if it's just to say, hey. So please drop us a line. My name is Marshall Escamilla, and I wrote and produced this episode all by myself. This episode was edited by Lindsay Patterson, and Sarah Lentz is still our associate producer. Don't forget to tune in next time for more stories of science discovery. Oh, oh, wait, wait, you're still here? You're still listening? You don't just like turn it off when you hear the theme? Well, good for you, because this time you get an extra special bonus. If you've been following us for a long time on Patreon, you may remember that one of our earliest celebration rewards was going to be that I would write a song with words about science. We went through this whole thing, and eventually all of our Patreon supporters decided they wanted to hear something about the solar system, so I went ahead and wrote a song about the solar system. If you are already one of our Patreon patrons, you may have heard this already, but if you're not, this is the first time you're hearing it, and you know what? I hope you like it. Enjoy.
planets in the solar system There are eight, there were nine 